0: And welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your favorite and your mother's favorite Ohio State news website. Uh, I am your host, Matt Brown. It's been a minute. It's good to be back here. You can follow our site at LandGrant33 on the Twitters. We're on the Facebooks. You can find me at Matt. SBN. So we are, I'm checking in here. It's m- uh, late in the afternoon here on Monday, November 21st. It's cold as hell here in, uh, in, in not-so-beautiful Washington, D.C. And typically, when it's uh, when we start chatting on Monday, we like to, you know, Colton and I like to like, talk a little bit here about the last football game. Colton, do you want to talk about the last game Ohio State played? Not
1: really. They didn't win by
0: 59, so I don't know what the point is of talking about it. Nope. To be as far quite as I'm... honest. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we're not going to do that because, uh, dear listener, you listen. You watch the game. Uh, the Ohio State-Michigan State game was not fun. It was played in terrible weather. It was a dumb rock fight. Ohio State won by point. It's over. Forget it. We don't have to think about it anymore. Michigan State's trash. Ohio State doesn't have to play them anymore. Do you know what this week is? It's hate week. It, it's hate week. It's the week. Folks, Ohio State plays a football game here of some import this Saturday. Uh, the Buckeyes, of course, will host the Michigan Wolverines. We're, we're not that team up north. We're not, not going to do that stuff. I, yeah, I don't,
1: okay, I, 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 before we get into it, this is yeah. something I know we talked about or I saw you guys talking about in the Slack and happens every Michigan week starting on Monday. The Ohio State Twitter, Instagram, all over campus, everybody does the red X's over what's supposed to be the M's. They go around campus and they cover it up with red tape. Nobody says any words or they say words with M's, but they cover them up. What do you think about this phenomenon is it
0: history's greatest monster because I, I have some strong opinions on this. this this is exactly the kind of thing that we should discuss and on one hand far be it for me to tell somebody else how to fan if you feel like crossing out red you know crossing out M's with red tape is a uh, positive way for you to express your, your fandom and that's a cherished family tradition or whatever and that brings you closer like that's fine like it doesn't do it for me I think it's silly, and I think that the counter-conversation that inevitably happens is when Michigan fans grab Northwestern's copy editor of the Big Ten title away from them and find, like, the one M in someone's tweet or a sign somewhere that wasn't crossed out. Like, look at these dumb Ohio State people. They don't know what an M is. And then you have the Michigan people then countering with fighting about Ohio and whether you know, that's Ohio State's name or did you know that the band you know, has the curse of Ohio? And, and quite frankly... I'm just bored with all that shit. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's interesting. I think. I think it's trite. This rivalry deserves a better caliber of troll uh, than than those two particular things, in my humble opinion.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And like for me, I have a hard time piecing together a sentence anyway. That if I'm that. trying to find words to use that don't start with M or don't have m's in them or actually typing out on my iphone the red x emoji every time i need to use an m that is just way too much for my brain to handle so not only do i not like it from that standpoint but you're right it, it does feel a little bit trite but hey if, if that's how you get your rocks off for this rivalry then then by all means because we all have our own ways
0: of describing how we hate michigan so let me let me ask you let me ask how, how, how do you do that what what does what, what the hating of Michigan mean to you, or how is that something that you've expressed if you're not doing it through the banning of consonants?
1: I think for me, uh, it's... It's something to where, you know, we, we get so much joy out of out of watching Ohio State win games and especially beating Michigan. But there's just something I think special and magical about seeing Michigan lose. And I think the the one thing you, you think back to is is last season against Michigan State and in revisionist history, if Michigan State doesn't win that game, you know, maybe Ohio State doesn't go into the big house and win, but Ohio State wins the Big Ten East if Things fall that same way. But I, I think as a fan and somebody who just has such a disdain for Michigan, you know, I don't think I would have had that result turn out any other way because it was just so classic. And seeing them lose in that way and seeing the way they lost to Appalachian State and some of these other games, that's just stuff for me personally that I will never forget and I think that I remember as much as any Ohio State victory and on the podcast a couple of weeks ago or whenever the Penn State game was now almost about a month ago I think we talked about how much we hated Penn State and there wasn't there wasn't respect there and I think that with Michigan it, it is a disdain and I think in a lot of ways these two fan bases and maybe even the people that went to the schools and the players in some ways it's very polar opposite at least in terms of how the stereotype between Michigan and Ohio State goes but I think the respect is still there and no matter how much that we dislike them at the end of the day you know it is the best rivalry in sports in our opinion and it's something that I think transcends fandom so with even with the hate the respect is always there to some degree at the end of the day
0: yeah I um it it this this is a, obviously a very intense rivalry, but I do I, I think I agree that there is an under underpinning of respect that isn't there in in some other college football rivalries. There, there, I mean, like the BYU Utah one, like there's some legit hate that's 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 set up there. I think there's 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 a couple other ones, especially when when you have rivalries that transcend uh, or, or that bring in class or bring in religion or or some other things. Um, where it can get really nasty, and this is a, this is this is this is a very passionate, ugly, you know, hard-fought rivalry that has a lot of, of high football stakes. But there are a lot of Ohio State fans that want Michigan to be at least relevant. Like I, I enjoy watching them lose. There are I enjoy watching Notre Dame lose. I enjoy watching a, a, a couple other ones. I I don't know if it's the uh, the self-satisfied, smug. Um, stereotype of, of, of certain fan bases that, you know, it's 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 enjoyable to see that humbled a little bit. It's probably fun to see Alabama lose, and I'm sure there are people that feel that way about Ohio State. Um, but I, I'm glad that this game is happening now and both teams are good, and this means a lot. Not that I didn't enjoy it when I was a student, and Ohio State beat some Rich Rodriguez coached Michigan team by, you know, 40 points. Like, that was still fun. I'm okay with that. But the fact that they're both good and that this has playoff implications and Big Ten championship implications and will be played in cold weather and all of that throwback, you know, Big Ten harumph stuff, like, that's great. That's It's one of the one of the coolest things here in college football.
1: And I, I kind of want to get into that before we, we break down some of... What well, this may be the last game in Ohio Stadium for a lot more players than we may have anticipated. Yeah. at the At the start of the year, but I think you make a good point about it meaning more when the teams are good because I think the the standard for that is always the 2006 game and the one and two, and I think no matter how much time passes, if you watch that game, whether you were there or were watching on TV, that's something you'll never forget. Not only did it have all of that significance of a one and two. But it was also, what, a 3.30 start, something that had never happened before. You had Bo Beckler, who died on game week, and yeah. then you had all of the implications with that. So it was just kind of a perfect storm and outside of last year's, which was probably the, the best matchup since then. Th- this is the one, because there's still so much riding on it, even with Ohio State not completely controlling their own destiny. There's still the playoff spot on the line. There's still a spot in the Big Ten Championship game, possibly on the line, and the National Championship, possibly still on the line, too. But but something you brought up, and maybe this is where you and I differ on this, is when it comes to Michigan winning or losing I I would rather them be good and have these type of matchups I think that some of those games in 2008 2007 got pretty boring when Ohio State was just kicking their ass by 35 points but I always am am down to see a Michigan loss but and this is something I'm going to talk with Anthony Broom of Mason Brew SB Nation's Michigan blog here tomorrow on our second podcast this week and maybe he's going to disagree with me on this but I think, at least in this era of the rivalry, one of the biggest fundamental differences for me is even though Ohio State has won, what, 14 of the last 15 games, the disdain and the rivalry coming from what you hear from either Jim Trestle or Urban Meyer and their staff has never wavered. In fact, I think it's it's gotten stronger. And I don't know if the tables were turned and Michigan had dominated the last... 10 or 15 years if that would be the same. And maybe that's just coming from an Ohio State perspective that if Michigan won three or four games, they would just go back to thinking, well, you know, we're, we're superior to you guys in every single way. But I think from an Ohio State standpoint, despite the winning and despite some of the dominance, it hasn't changed at all. The, the hatred is still exactly the same as it was when trestle took that job over and that's something to me where i don't know if it would be the
0: same if the tables were turned maybe i'm wrong you know hopefully we don't have to find out <laughs> um we saw that a little bit in the 90s um which is why i'm never able to take at you know this particular run for granted because i remember you know, the, the tears and frustration of me as a little kid for being perpetually dunked on. I, I wanna very quickly talk about that 2006 game and then we, we can kind of move on. Because for me, like that's always been the most memorable and maybe the most important Ohio State-Michigan game to me. And this is gonna be a lot for a lot of people around our age just because this was an amazing football game with with, with a, a, amazing stakes. And it also kind of kicked off like the, the and that was kind of like, that was the Big Ten's peak, right? Like, really, it was like after that game uh, for, like, an, uh, you know, at least a half decade, maybe more, That that's kind of when the Big Ten sucks memes started. So that that was the high point. But um, I watched most—I I didn't actually see the end of that game when it happened. Because I, I, that was the day I was flying home from the end of my Mormon mission. So I watched most of it in a bar in the cincinnati airport waiting for my last flight home like and I, had a, I had my cane and i had my name tag and my suit and mormons are de- are missionaries are not supposed to be in bars if you if you see a gentleman in a suit and a bicycle and a name tag and a bar uh he is lost he is not supposed to be there and i didn't care and i was hugging random people because you know i just had like this, this really traumatic difficult experience and I, I found out who won on the plane i don't i didn't watch the game in its entirety until the next year like for like that welcome week, I was right when I transferred to Ohio State. They they had like a rewatching of it, and I was excited because I didn't get to see the whole thing. And they had pizza, uh, and they had pizza basically every day that week, so I didn't have to buy any groceries. But it was it was an amazing game, and and you know that 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 particular memory here of like your identity as a as an Ohioan transcending. Everything else, I'm like, yes, here is the place I'm definitely not supposed to be, and I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to watch this. and I'm going to watch Michigan get, get dunked on a little bit. Uh, was wonderful. Um, I'd be, I'd be interested
1: to hear from our listeners too that. You brought up how kind of everything for the Big Ten went downhill, and for Ohio State in particular, obviously the Florida loss was right after that, but then in like three or four straight high-profile games, the game against Texas, the USC game in 2007, the LSU game, and then the Fiesta Bowl against Texas, it just that trend continued, but... I think that if you need any indication of how special that particular game was, if you ask any Ohio State fan about it, it felt like they won the national championship that night. And I think if they would have played in the Big Ten championship game, if they're would have been one at that time, and then played Florida, I think maybe that game loses a little bit of its luster, but there's still such an aura surrounding that game and what it meant for the state and what it meant for both teams and both fan bases that even though they got their asses kicked in the desert right after that by Florida, I don't think you'll ever be able to take that one away of how special it was. And I don't think that's always the case when you look look back at not only Ohio State history, but college football history in general. So I think that's just how much of an indicator that how special that game really was
0: you know it, it's funny it's funny you mention that because I think it you know I've, I've been doing a lot of um, digging into college football history over the past couple of months here and I'll be doing that more over the offseason because I'm writing a book which I will talk about on this podcast <laughs> A lot more on a week that isn't Michigan week but this 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 is not an unusual occurrence of the the Ohio State Michigan game being essentially the season Super Bowl and you empty out your entire emotional reserves and then the winner goes to the Rose Bowl and it's like almost who cares and some really good Ohio State teams lost to some teams in the Pac-12 that were not as good um I think in part because like the season really kind of ended against Michigan uh I wonder to, to what extent the playoff might change that over the years. We don't I mean like it's not not that this game won't be won't be as as powerful. Do you think it has the potential for being as influential or as as dramatic, I mean like as 2006 because independent of the stakes, that was also an objectively really damn good football game. Do you think that this year has the potential to get to that level?
1: I think it has the potential to be just like on the surface as good of a game if not better just from the way it's played I I don't picture Ohio State scoring 42 points and I don't picture Michigan scoring 39 points but I do think that it can be a very competitive game that and maybe we'll get into this at the end of the podcast when we make predictions that either team can win but I think what element this game is missing is kind of that those high-profile stars. And I know Jabril Peppers has gotten a lot of love, but at this point, he, he's not going to win the Heisman. He may go to New York. Same with Curtis Samuel. He's getting a lot of praise over the last few weeks now that people have really caught on to how dynamic he's been for this offense. But Troy Smith was essentially playing for the Heisman in that game, and that won him the Heisman. And then you had all the star power with Michigan's offense with Manningham and Hart and Chad Henney. And so I think that that's kind of where this game is missing that extra element is not only is it not a one and two game, but there's not that as big of star power, even if the coaches maybe definitely actually have more star power. But also, too, I think that the Big Ten championship game, like you're saying, has kind of changed things. And I think actually for the better, because now these teams, whoever win, they don't have to have that hangover where it's like, oh, we we beat Michigan. Now let's wait for two months. And, you know, that was what we've been waiting for all season. So blah, blah, whatever. That, you know, that game doesn't mean as much. I think now it's gotten to the point where you know that, hey, if you win, and maybe Ohio State doesn't go anyway, but you at least know that possibility of playing next week is there.
0: My – my guess is that I, I don't really think that this has quite the potential of, of 2006 either. It, it is funny that you mentioned the coaching star power, because as well as both of these teams have recruited, there's a lot of really, really good football players on both teams. And it, that wouldn't be the case. I mean, it, it, there wouldn't be two and three in the country right now if that wasn't the case. I don't think you have a credible Heisman candidate for either team. Sorry, Michigan fans. Jibro Peppers, you're right. It's not going to win the Heisman Trophy. You know, feel free to freezing cold takes me for that you know, if, if it actually happens. But the biggest stars and the the big storyline that's going to get hammered into everyone is probably going to be Harbaugh and Meyer. Um, and I don't think that wasn't the case in, in 2006. I mean, this year you're going to have a, a backup quarterback, almost certainly uh, for, for Michigan. Both teams are a little bit more banged up. It should be a great game. It's going to mean a lot. I don't think it's going to be as good of a game just like objective offense performance virtuosity across the field as 2006 although this still should be one of the best ohio state michigan games in the last couple of years i mean saying you're not as good as 2006 is uh not exactly uh, you know besmirching you
1: i think the turf should be better which should probably make michigan fans happy Yeah, probably. (laughs) But I I think too, and I I saw this today, I think it was Stu Mandel who who wrote an article on it is, is this going to be the beginning of the Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh 10-year war like Woody and Bo? And those were articles we saw last year. And I think for the rivalry to kind of get back to that, not that it's lost any luster at all. But to really have that sort of feel, Michigan has to win and they have to win in this sort of environment when they're highly ranked and Ohio State's highly ranked. And there's all of these implications on the line because it feels like, at least to me, if Ohio State wins, you're, the storyline you're going to hear is, well, Michigan's really good, but Ohio State's Ohio State. Urban Meyer's the best coach in the country outside of Nick Saban, and even then, if you really want to, you can make a case. But Michigan's just still not quite at that level, and they may not get there. So I think that that's kind of where, like you're saying, it's not at
0: 2006's level, but it's probably a couple of notches below. Yeah, that's that's funny. Like, I I know the line is like Ohio State by like a touchdown or something. Um, I still really think that oh, the most of this pressure is on Michigan. You know, really for the last month and a half, I, I think the conventional wisdom that is that Michigan was a little bit of a better team, or, or that they were going to be expected to, to win this game, and I think this is their best chance to win a Big Ten title in a couple of years. You know, next year Ohio State is going, to, the, the Buckeyes don't lose, or are not likely to lose very many players from this team, and they're bringing in another outstanding recruiting class with a couple of people who may be able to play early. So even though that game's going to be in Michigan, I think Ohio State will be the favorite since Michigan's losing a lot of players for this season. And then in 2018, the Wolverines have a really hard schedule where they have to play, I think it's like, at Notre Dame, at Michigan State, at Ohio State, and then they draw a really tough West slate. So even though that they're going to be improved, like, just, you know, as we've seen, you win, going undefeated in the Big Ten is extremely hard. I think the, 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 the cards will be stacked against them. So you have the potential now of, you know, with all the capital letters Harbaugh business over the last two years, if Michigan doesn't win this game, they're going to finish third in this division two years in a row. And that makes... Some of the Harbaugh stuff may be a little bit less palatable or a little bit less cute. I I don't I don't know. I, for my money, I still think Michigan's probably going to win, although it's going to be close and, and probably a little bit of a of, of an ugly game. But it will be the, the, the there are some potential implications here. I think of, not not that like Michigan's going to get rid of Harbaugh or anything, but there's the the storyline in Ann Arbor. I think will not be jubilant if uh, if they don't win this game.
1: Well, and from. From our perspective, I think too, maybe you and I were two of the more bearish people when it came to prognosticating this team coming into the season. And depending on if they lose or how they lose this game you know if you told me before the season Ohio State is going to beat Wisconsin on the road they're going to beat Oklahoma on the road but they're going to go 10 and 2 I can't really find a way to complain about that and I know that they're right on the cusp right now and if they lost it would be stinging and it would be terrible and we'd all have our own ways of venting from that but just from a big picture standpoint with everything they lost last year and some of the struggles they've had this year to replace that talent and to do what they've done I think is very impressive and you know at me if if you think that I'm wrong for saying that anything Ohio State's done at this point you know going forward is gravy but that that's really how I feel and I think that just goes back to all of that pressure to win this game I think is on Michigan and not on Ohio State.
0: Yeah, I, if Ohio State loses this game but then still wins the Orange Bowl, uh, I, I think this is a, a win considering how young this team was. I, I want to talk about one last thing here with you before we wrap up. Speaking of, of Ohio State being a young team, we, we were talking about this a little bit here earlier in the office, and I'm going to write about it more on Wednesday regarding one specific player. So my my thought process is not completely you know, formulated here at this point, but this is a really small senior class for Ohio State. There's a couple of players who I think are are likely to leave early, but there's not not a ton of people that we're saying that we saying goodbye to here, right? I'm 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 interested if there's anybody in particular that you are going to really miss or that you feel has been especially underappreciated. For me, uh, Cam Johnston has has been a dominant. Hunter, and this year you, you don't talk about that quite as much because ohio state hasn't needed to punt as often but their dominance in the field position battle has been a major part of why ohio state's been a very good team uh, over the last three years and uh, you know drew chrisman's gonna is a very highly regarded guy and uh should do very well but the fact that that has been so just like rock solid here as part of ohio state for the last several years um is not something that even really great teams can say and this this is going to be his last time in Ohio Stadium I hope he has a very long and successful professional career and I think uh, I think Ohio State fans are going to miss him
1: yeah, and I think that that's the one that's easiest to gloss over because you never want to see your team punt. But Cam Johnson, for the last three seasons, has been the secret weapon for this team. You look right now; they're second in special teams S and P plus. They're second in punt success rate. He's had he's forced sixteen fair catches. He's had fifteen of his forty three punts. Inside the twenty, he had a couple of really nice punts last week against Michigan State, and you you never know what you have in those type of players, whether they're kickers or punters or just special teams guys in general, until you have a bad one and you realize just how much that helps. And in Ohio State's case, when you don't have an offense like 2014's that's as explosive, and you're going to have to rely a little bit more on your defense, if you have a guy like that that's able to flip field position, that's how you win games. So I, I think that he's. He's probably the most important and one that we're all gonna miss. Are we sticking just towards
0: seniors, or let's let's talk seniors first and then then we can get into some of the uh, the juniors or reds or sophomores.
1: Okay, I I think that just based on the way that Meyer talks about Dontre Wilson and and he did a little bit today in his press conference. He's never been my favorite guy. I, I think that all Ohio State fans, whether it's on the punt returns or, or some of the you know ups and downs he's had in his career, it never really panned out for him the way I think we all wanted it to. But just from an outsider's perspective, I think you can be proud of Dontre Wilson for sticking it out and going through so much stuff and, and being injured and playing on what the broken foot against Michigan State and catching that touchdown pass. So he, it may have not always been living up to the hype he came in with, but it's great to see a player go through four years and at least be a contributor and finding fight through so much adversity. So, that's for me more of an off the field or just general view rather than on the field stuff, but I can appreciate how much that kid has has battled through and I think he deserves all of our respect even though, you know, we may get frustrated with, with some of the stuff he does out on the field every once in a while.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a that's that's a good one too. I, I don't look at his failure to reach those extremely high expectations as necessarily his fault, given his his injury history. I I know you know maybe not every single thing that we've written about him on our website over his career has been laudatory, but uh, his his returning and his recovery uh, are, are are worthy of praise, and uh, he's not a bad football player, right? Like you know. You, he, he is. I think he's like Ohio State's second or third leading receiver this year. He's been a a dependable, important rotational player uh, for for very good Ohio State teams. And uh, there's no guarantee Ohio State's going to be able to replace him with somebody who who is who is that good. I hope I hope he's able to have a, a nice career as well. There's a couple of 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 non seniors, so I think we can. Agree, are probably not coming back. Raquan McMillan is gone, right? Like we we, we both agree, he's he's going to be a first round draft pick, You know second round at absolute worst. He's 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 not coming back. Thank you for everything. It was great watching you play football. Uh, Gary and Connolly probably gone. Um, Lattimore might might be gone. Probably, I mean, like may, may, maybe more likely to be gone than not gone. Malik Hooker's stock is just absolutely skyrocketed. I'd be shocked if he comes back. Um, those are the 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 big early departure names that jump out to me. Tyquan Lewis might leave. Uh, He's, you know, he's he's led the team in sacks two years in a row. Like, you know, I don't know if he, uh, size-wise is exactly what the NFL is looking for. Like, that wouldn't shock me. Uh, Is there any other name that you think You know, we we need we need to make sure that we're we're, you know enjoying what we can here because this this might be their last home game. Well, I think
1: Curtis Samuel's the Uh, the obvious one. on offense, he is definitely gone. I don't think he's going to leave and this is probably a hot take, but we we saw, I think, what, a month back where people were saying, JT Barrett's at least going to test the waters. I think that there's probably a little bit of truth to that. And I think at the very least, he's going to get evaluated because at some point, you know, I don't know how much left he has to learn at this level. And he seems like a smart enough guy to know that his football playing career, just like every other football player, has an expiration date on it. And what I bet, on him leaving? No, I I don't think it's likely, but I do think that it's going to be a decision and it wouldn't completely shock me to see him and a guy like Sam Hubbard just say, you know what, I have enough film on me. People have seen what I can do. I have the measurables in in Sam Hubbard's case and at the very least test it out and really wait till that deadline to make a decision.
0: That is the name that I, I wanna focus on here. Um, and I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna write about this a, a, a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he leaves. And and uh, you know at, at this point you've played a ton of college football. Your arm's probably not gonna get any stronger. You're not gonna get any bigger. I don't know if all the film necessarily did him a lot of favors. He's not somebody who's gonna be a top three, maybe even four round pick as an NFL quarterback. But. You're getting run an awful lot. Like, do you do you want to just get you know, get in the NFL and, and get those couple of years? in while you can, I, I'm wondering how he's going to be perceived legacy-wise by Ohio State, and, and especially if Ohio State's able to beat Michigan here, he's going to own almost every relevant or important passing or offense statistic at Ohio State. He's going to go down in the record books of the Big Ten. Um, he'll. Uh, probably getting the top 10 for Heisman voting for this year. He was in the top five before. Um, but he's been a little bit of a polarizing figure this year because I think now it's become a little bit more apparent, maybe with less skilled offensive coaching or with the younger skilled position players and younger offensive line around him, that he does have some flaws uh, and has struggled, especially in poor weather this season. But he's also, when he's good, is one of the most efficient and outstanding players in all of college football, and given there has not been a ton of elite Ohio State quarterbacks, I'm wondering if we will remember him as the best, as one of the best, as a system player, as surrounded by you know first round talent kind of players. I'm I'm not exactly sure. I'm just glad that as an Ohio State fan, I got to watch him play, um, and uh, selfishly I hope that he comes back again. Not that Ohio State doesn't have. For next year, but if he does return, um, they're they're going to be another another national championship-contending team.
1: That's an interesting question, and that was something again that was got brought up to to Meyer at his press conference today. And I understand fans' frustration with with the passing offense, not only this season, but last season, but you you look at the wins and you look at the raw numbers. And I I think just from my perspective, it is hard to not look at JT Barrett as one of the best quarterbacks in program history. And people can say it's a system thing or whatever they want, but when you hear Meyer talk about Barrett the way he does, it's hard to not really understand how much he's meant to i think the program and, and as a leader and does he have his flaws absolutely and i think that the coaches haven't done the best job of covering up those flaws i think that he's been asked to to do things that he can't do and he's done an admirable job sometimes of trying to fight through that and he's taken a beating for the for the coaches trust in him and i, I think that he gets on the football field he's an absolute warrior and i think that that's probably the main thing thing that I'll always remember about him as a quarterback is he did whatever they asked him to do and this all this punishment is coming after he broke his foot in the Michigan game or or twisted up his leg and the fact that he would get back lose his starting job and still be a leader of the team and still continue to play as tough as he did before the injury really goes to show I think how great of a player he is and how tough he is and as far as the NFL thing goes I think that what may be going in his favor is is Meyer and the way that he does speak about him because I think that NFL guys are going to ask him hey can this guy be a third string quarterback can he be somebody I can count on to get guys better in practice and maybe ultimately that's what JT Barrett becomes but I, I think that just from an Ohio State perspective his legacy isn't over but as of right now if it ended with a loss to Michigan and then whatever happens in the bowl game I think he's got to go down as one of the three or four best
0: quarterbacks in program history. I'm going to dig into this a little bit more later this week. I'm very interested to hear what some of the rest of you think. So feel free to comment on this podcast or shoot us an email, shoot us a a tweet. I'm at at, Matt, I'm at Matt SBN and my email if you have podcast questions, comments, concerns, deep thoughts, that's at matt.brown at sbnation.com. So let's talk about this a little bit more when we when we when we share the podcast. I'm I'm gonna be interested to know how you are going to remember or perceive the JT Barrett era or JT Barrett as as a quarterback or some of these other seniors or or likely departing redshirt sophomores or juniors. I'm interested to know. A little bit more about what this game means to you. It's an extension of our identity as Ohioans for a lot of people. Um it's more than just a football game here for for this Saturday. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh I'm probably not going to think that during the game because I'm almost incapable of enjoying Ohio State games at this point in the moment. So I will be pacing and typing and probably cussing. Um but it should it should still be a lot of fun either way. Uh, it's
1: going to be a mess on Saturday. Uh, like, yeah. It's To start the day off with that, at least, I I think that's probably a good thing, that you just get that out of the way. And that game's going to be on at 10 in the morning here, so that's like, I'm waking up, and I I do the same things you do during the game. Like, I can't sit still. I'm nervous. I'm twiddling my fingers. I'm just, I'm going crazy. And then that night, I'm going to see Utah, so like, tomorrow or Saturday could be like a really good day for me, or it could just all go down the tube. Uh, on, On that
0: note... uh, (laughs) friends as we're uh, contemplating uh, everything going down the tube have a wonderful Thanksgiving safe travels to whatever it is you're going spend some time with your family Eat eat something eat too much of something um don't a, drink too much of anything. No, don't drink too much of anything, but eat a little bit too much of something. Are you going anywhere?
1: No, I'm just uh, staying here with the family and the dogs, hanging out, just having a regular ass Thanksgiving. What about you?
0: That's pretty good. Uh, we're having a friendsgiving this year. This is the first Thanksgiving I'm not hitting the road uh, in a little while, so I'm gonna go go with some buddies. I don't have to worry about cooking so much, and I'm, I've been dreaming of a key lime pie for like four months. I, I, I love those things. And that's not something you can just like pick up at the store on like some random ass Thursday, but for Thanksgiving, yeah. not only can you have too much pie, but you can have pie for breakfast. No one's going to judge you. That's basically a Danish. Um, so I'm probably going to eat key lamb pie twice. <laughs>
1: it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. And um, like, don't, don't at Matt or at me, or at Land Grant about your Thanksgiving food opinions. We all like our own food to each their own. We don't want to hear your food opinion.
0: No, unless your food opinion is, wow, Matt, you are so wise and Unless, so correct. It's, unless it's just you're correct. You're right. That's the only that, one we that, want to hear. That's fine. I, well, actually, pie for breakfast is good. Mike Hollow. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you all for listening, everybody. You can find our show on our website landgrandholyland.com you can find it on itunes you can find it on where else can you find it soundcloud soundcloud we're on soundcloud bruh. check my soundcloud that was a really white thing that i just said i'm I'm sorry sorry that, that, that came out that way um we're all over the internet so be sure to subscribe download tell your friends uh say nice things about us or or don't you know do what you want i'm not your dad um Penny, if you're listening, I am your dad. And uh, we'll be in touch with you multiple times this week leading up here for Michigan Week. This is the week that you want to bookmark land grant. Check it all the time because you have a bunch of things going down. Colton, anything else before we let these fine people go? Not
1: a damn thing other than go Bucks. Be Michigan.
0: Go Bucks. Be Michigan.